everybody else's sins. And he kind of, if you look at the map of Amos 1, if you look at it on a map, it kind of starts skirting around where he was preaching. And I can just picture the congregation of Amos 1 getting worked up into a frenzy, like, you know, for three sins of Dallas, and even for four, and everybody's like, yeah, that's right, and, you know, for three sins of Austin, it's, oh, yeah, that's right, and San Antonio, and, and Galveston, oh, Galveston, and everybody's just going nuts. You know, it's, it's like the, the frenzy scene in, in Holy Grail whenever they bring the fake witch, you know, and you, the, everybody gets worked up into a frenzy. That's what it, it looked like. I did watch that, by the way, since New King, supposed to watch Holy Grail. But they're getting all worked up into this frenzy, but then Hosea turns the tables on them. Because in Hosea 2, verse 6, he says, This is what the Lord says for three sins of Israel. And the room goes quiet. They're all standing up and they're in their frenzy, cheering against all the others. And then Amos says that in the whole crowd. You can just picture them one by one. Dropping their hands, sitting down and being quiet. And someone whispers, to the person next to them, he shouldn't have said that. He went too far. It was okay when he was talking about them. It's okay, it was really okay when he mentioned Galveston, but the minute he said for three sins of Houston, hmm, don't know. Because what Amos actually said there in 2.6 was, this is what the Lord says, for three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not relent. They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. He said that was their sin. Now they trade the innocent for Bitcoin and the needy for a pair of Nikes. Oh, too close to home. Exactly. That's the point. To the same group of people then, those in northern Israel before the exile, the prophet Hosea, you know, Amos' partner, Hosea is charged. Now get this, if you've never heard this story, fasten your seatbelts. Hosea is charged to take a prostitute as his wife in order to show the people what God's relationship with them is really like. The prostitute has children, and then here's what happens when the second one is born. Just like Hosea, Amos 1, this is right out of Hosea 1. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Loruhama, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah. Which, by the way, for geography's sake, it was the same as Amos saying, 
I'm not going to love y'all. I'll love Galveston. Judah was to the south, which was where Amos was from, by the way. And I will save them not by bow, sword, battle, horses, horsemen, but the Lord their God. I will save them. After she weaned Lo-Ruhama, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. For you are not my people, and I'm not your God. Now, in order to really hear these kinds of warnings and what will eventually be, believe it or not, actual encouragement, it may help you to know a little bit of the background. Okay, so picture these two preachers. Hosea is trying to preach while married to a prostitute. Amos is a southerner who came up to the north, and he is preaching, and he is a complete outsider. I mean, the two new preachers in northern Israel. Imagine this conversation between a couple of their listeners to the north. This isn't in the Bible, by the way. This is total fiction. This is poetry. So Hosea, the new preacher, is all right, but he's married to a prostitute. You mean like pretty woman. She used to be, but now she's a princess? No. I mean, he is married to a prostitute. What? Wait, what are you talking about? And then get this. The other preacher, Amos, is a shepherd fig tree farmer from the south. A farmer. Like a what, from the south? Like a hillbilly? You got it. So how's this new co-preacher set up working out for you guys? Well, it's fine, I guess, if you like perverts and rednecks. And as outlandish as that sounds, that is exactly the setup of the world of Hosea and Amos in the 700s B.C. And then, the fact that Jesus is still teaching them this same exact teaching 700 years later should tell you how the preaching of Amos and Hosea turned out. Because 700 years later, Jesus would re-preach this message of Hosea and Amos and say that everything in the law and everything in the prophets, including Hosea and Amos, can be summed up. You know that teaching of Jesus when he was challenged by the religious establishment, the gatekeepers of the so-called God leaders, and Jesus summarized everything down to what Hosea was trying to tell his people and what Amos was trying to tell the same exact people. Love God and love your neighbor. It's out of Matthew 22. This is Jesus. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets 
hang on these two commandments. When Hosea preached to the northerners, his message was, love God. Because they forgot what it was to live lives centered on loving the creator and sustainer of their lives. To focus their lives on their devotion to God, not as an extracurricular activity, if they can make the time. When Amos preached to the northerners, his message was, love each other. Because they forgot what it was to live lives centered on loving one another as companions in the truth. All created creatures of the Lord God Almighty. They were busy forgetting to see that all people are people. Everyone. An example of their forgetfulness toward the end of Hosea. This is from Hosea 13. When Ephraim spoke, people trembled. He was exalted in Israel, but he became guilty of Baal worship and died. Now they sin more and more. They make idols for themselves from silver, cleverly fashioned images, all of them the work of craftsmen. It's said of these people, they offer human sacrifices. They kiss idols that look like baby cows. Therefore, they will be like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears, like chaff swirling from the threshing floor, like smoke escaping through a window. But I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. And then they forgot me. What is the biggest sin of the pre-exile people of Israel? What's their biggest sin? It's that they forgot. You know what the biggest sin of the people after the exile was? They forgot. You know what the biggest sin of the people of Jesus' time was? And the Middle Ages? And pre-World War II America? And post-World War II America? And 2022 just about everywhere? It's when we forget... They forgot that all of these things, all these concerns that we hold so tightly are almost all temporary, fleeting measures compared with the enduring steadfast love of the Lord. They forgot that the goal of life is not power, it's not status, it's not money, which is exactly what was wrong with the people of Amos' audience, who he reminds and calls to repentance. They forgot that these things that we create in our own image are images of ourselves. And that's why God gives Hosea and Amos the unenviable task of telling the truth. And the truth then may be the truth that we need to hear today. And that truth is, do not forget. But then... 
then there was a promise. There was the promise, the promise that even though they were about to go into exile to have everything taken from them except two things that they needed the most, God and one another. Hang a minute, time out. Did we learn nothing from the time that we spent in quarantine during the early stages of the pandemic? What happens when everything goes on hold? You remember? What happens when everything goes on hold? What would happen if you had everything taken from you except God and one another? Everything except God and your life with each other. That's all you have. And then go right back to our story. There was the promise, the promise that even though they were about to go into exile and have everything taken from them, except the two things they needed most, God and each other, even though they were about to go into exile, God would go with them and preserve them from generation to generation. Because right when Hosea starts preaching, all the bad news of their forgetting to love God, and right after they name the baby, okay, by the way, not a good name for a baby. Not my people. Right after they name the baby, not my people. Here's what Hosea said. Before the exile, before all the other stuff, right in Hosea 1.10, yet the Israelites will be like sand on the seashore which cannot be measured or counted. In the places where it was said to them, you are not my people. They will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved ones. Hosea and it's an outsider to all the people's social norms, had a message of loving God in order to call the people back to remember that life begins and ends with the Lord. Amos, as a farmer from the south, as fish out of water, as any preacher in the Bible, gave the people a message to condemn everything from their oppression to their pettiness when they forgot what was most important, that most important of commands that Jesus would call, love your neighbor as though you were caring for your own self. Feed your neighbor. Give your neighbor water. And grace. And compassion. Maybe the most revolutionary promise to this eventual remnant of God's people. Maybe the most revolutionary thing Hosea said and all the things that he said was Israel and Judah will come together. But that time, it would be like me getting up here 
in September in 2022 and saying, you know, all this business that we spend all our time on, on this state's red and this state's blue, one of these days that's going to come to an end. And we're actually all going to be one. We're all going to be one people. You know how that's going to happen? Can I say the word ain't? Okay. You know how it's going to happen? It ain't you, and it ain't me, and it ain't us. We don't have the power, obviously. God, on the other hand, and where do we start? Maybe a good place to start is where Hosea and Amos started preaching to their people. Uh, you know what it looks like when we forget God and we forget one another? It looks like Hosea and Amos. And I don't know, but it sure looks like we are living in a world uh, where we're forgetting one another. Do not, don't drink the Kool-Aid, don't do it, don't dare believe for one minute that the person sitting next to you is your enemy. That's, that's, not, that's not true. It's not. We're being told it all the time. It's not true. Because when we remember God, and when we remember one another as created every day in God's image, and when we say yes to God and to one another in genuine hope of God's active, real presence, nothing can make us forget that we are the ongoing remnant of God's people in a world where, yes, there is still hope. And nothing in the 8th century B.C. all the way up to September of 2022 can change that promise from God, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.